whole bunch today to see you. So here's a couple things that uh, were a blessing to me, made me chuckle this week. I want to share them with you. Caution, this sign has sharp edges. Do not touch the edges of this sign. <laughs> Caution, low flying aircraft. <laughs> Wash and vacuum senior citizens. <laughs> 1595. There you go. Communication. Okay. So I felt from God to give a prophetic word to, to somebody this last week about the eyes of their heart being um, open more fully to see the to see things way beyond what they, their mind can understand. And I was so blessed in the giving of that that I thought, man, I'm getting blessed in getting this. This is awesome for me. I might as well share it with everybody <laughs> and some, of the, some thoughts behind it. So I wanted to think about, you know, the Bible says, uh, guard your heart, for out of it are the wells, wellsprings of life, right? Guard your heart. I know um, physically I've been, I guard my heart with a CT scan every week. Not every week, every year. <laughs> Rewind and delete. <laughs> every year. Because uh, the tumor that was uh, surgically removed from my chest, softball-sized tumor that was wedged between my lung, right lung and my heart, was actually infringing upon the lining of my heart. And uh, it got pretty close to my heart. And that I found that a little bit alarming. And uh, ever since then... You know, I was glad, I was grateful. The, the surgeon actually said to me, I'm so, so, uh, you're, you're so blessed, whatever he said, whatever word he used, to, uh, you know, because it didn't get to your heart. And our heart, we, we want to we protect our hearts, don't we? And when you think about it, have you ever had a broken heart? Yeah, many of us have had, a, most of us, I think, at one time or other, have had a broken heart, something that really broke our hearts. And, you know, in the Bible, uh, the word talks about Believing, it says, uh, believing in our, with our hearts. Don't we know that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead? Something about believing in our hearts. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, isn't it? And this, this verse from uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, where... The Apostle Paul um, shares his, his prayer that he's been praying for the Ephesians. You know, you know how you know what a person really cares most about in their life? It's what they pray. I ask you, the stuff that you care most about, what do you do with it? You pray about it, don't you? The Apostle Paul sh shares with the Ephesian church what's on his heart, what he really cares about. In this verse, he talks about how he's thankful for them. He's, uh, he's praising God for their faith. And then this line in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. The eyes of your heart will be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, Question? Yeah. 
Everybody's happy now. All right. Thank you, Jer. Greatest in the kingdom. Servant of all. Thank you. Yeah, uh, what, what was the report we were talking about? <laughs> you know, uh, we can read in the Bible the blessings. I, I thank God continually for the blessings of the kingdom in my life. But there's something about seeing, not just with our minds, but with our hearts. With our hearts. In this, in this verse, the Apostle Paul says some things that he's thankful for, but he's, he says that you may know not just your inheritance in the saints, but he takes it even further, God's inheritance, that you might know God's inheritance in you, that you might know. It's something you can really only see with your heart because it's so incomprehensibly beautiful that, that God, God is so thrilled that he gets you in his life forever. That's his inheritance in the saints. And you know in the first commandment of the Ten Commandments where the word says don't make an image of anything in heaven, I, I personally really love pictures of Jesus that are when he was on this earth. You know, Brenda's drawn some and many, several of you have drawn some. I have, a, I have more of a hesitancy about images of Jesus in heaven uh, in his, with pictures of his glory, and I, I appreciate the work that goes into that, but, but ultimately that, um, I think God put that in the first commandment, don't make images of things in heaven because it limits what our heart sees. It suppresses, it puts a lid on it. We see it with our minds, but God has something, that's, there is no limitations to what we can see with our hearts. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. It's a, there's an infinite dimension to this seeing that the Apostle Paul is referring to here. And it's something, because it's a prayer, it's something only God can do. He's saying, you can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. Paul prays because he knows only God can give us the breakthrough to see with our hearts. His beauty and his glory and his wonder and his amazement. It's God. We give him all the praise. That's my first talking point. When our hearts really see Jesus, we're stirred to give him all the credit and all the praise and all the glory. Give me an example. In John uh, Green's testimony we saw here last week, he, his mind was resistant. His mind was offended. Reminded me of John chapter 6 where Jesus said, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody laughed, not a church growth message. (laughs) And he turns to his disciples and said, are you going to go too? And Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. There was something in that preaching of Jesus that offended the mind but appealed to the heart. And Sean was offended by the thought of these happy Christians And I'm not going to go to church. And then with his wife's coaxing, Robin's coaxing, God bless her. He went to to church. And he found himself against what his mind was saying to him on his knees sobbing. My friends, in the moment, Sean was seeing something of God and himself 
in his heart, with his heart's eyes. God opened up his heart. And who gets the glory for that, Sean? Yeah, God did it all. Did it all. There's not anything he contributed to that. God did it all. Simon Peter, in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, it's a rather lengthy story, but it's a powerful one. I'll read it with you right now. It's Peter's second interaction, as far as we know from the New Testament, his second interaction with Jesus. Andrew had invited, his brother had invited uh, Peter, Cephas, Simon, Simon, what he goes by, to meet Jesus. And so he'd already had some acquaintance with Jesus. And isn't it true that in your, um, when you came to Christ, it wasn't just a, uh, you know, uh, not everybody had experience like Sean uh, where it was instantaneous, but there was some, sometimes there's a building, sometimes there's a, you know, the salvation moment isn't in a matter of 30 seconds, it's a matter of um, sometimes 30 years, I mean, God works in our lives, 30 months sometimes, like, oh, this is what's going on with Peter, later on, something happens with him when he's out fishing, let's read about it. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they, they all, they forsook all, all four of them, and followed him, that is Jesus. So this great stirring, would you agree with me that Peter and, and Andrew and, and the rest of the business, business uh, partners were stirred in their hearts. They were so greatly stirred in their hearts. And it's a way of seeing something that's different than what we're used to with our brains, with our minds. I saw a really cool article about a train business that ran between Jacksonville and Medford from 1891 to 1935, back and forth. It was one of the shortest trains, uh, train uh, tracks in, in uh, the USA. But uh, something that was typical and a, a custom is if you owned a train company, your uh, Pennsylvania Railroad would give you free passes on all their railroads. You could go anywhere in the United States for free. So the owner of the... Barnum, his name is Mr. Barnum, applied to Pennsylvania Railroad to see if he could get a free pass to go all over the country on Pennsylvania Railroads. And they said, no, your track is too short. Are you kidding? It's just between Medford and Jacksonville. Forget it. 
your tracks, your track is not long enough. And you know what he responded back? He said, yes, our track is not long, is not long as Pennsylvania Railroads. I, I admit it, but it's, our tracks are just as wide. <laughs> and he got the pass. So you see, there's a different way of, and that's what this heart business is. You know, God gave us reason. He gave us rationality, and it's beautiful. I mean, we're coming upon Easter. That's the supreme reason to be saved is, and to follow Jesus is because rationally, it makes sense. If someone says they're going to die and rise from the dead never to die again, and then they go ahead and do that, it's reasonable to, to do whatever thing, everything he says, Right? I believe everything else he says. So reason is a blessing. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Human rationality is a gift. It's a beautiful gift. But it's a gift to supplement. The primary thing we operate on is, our, is the heart response to God. And we see and we imagine things in God that are his realities that are revealed to us. And we see them in our hearts. And God has given us this gift. And it's a great way to... It's a great way to live. The Apostle Paul calls it the circumcision of the heart. Uh, British theologian John Stott puts it this way. A new heart, a new nature, a new birth, a new creation. This tremendous inward change is a work of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So... When our hearts see Jesus, we're stirred to give him all the credit and the praise and the glory because it's a wonderful miracle. Wonderful miracle. Secondly, when we're stirred to use signs and wonders, when our hearts see Jesus, we are stirred to use signs and wonders as eyeglasses to see with our hearts with ever-increasing clarity. Now, Jesus did signs and wonders, and a lot of people didn't see with their hearts. But when we have that openness in God in our hearts, signs and wonders bring greater clarity for us in the wonderful things of God. Bob's testimony. We see Jesus more clearly because of what Bob and Annette shared by video. What Miguel shared about, the, about what happened um, with the COVID healing. What a beautiful clarifying of, of the personality of Jesus. Peter's experience fishing. I... I can't help but think about Jesus when he's sitting there in the boat teaching and, and seeing through a word of knowledge or however he would know what was about to happen with the fishing ex, ex, excitement that there was going to be this cool thing happen. I'm sure he even thinks, you know what, this is going to go in the Bible. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> going to love this. Remember a young man named... Uh, Patrick in England in the early 1400s, 16 years old, out by himself, tragedy hit. He was kidnapped uh, by some Irish pirates, taken to Ireland. And you can imagine the horrible grief his parents went through knowing that their, their son was gone and that they would no doubt never see him again. And, and, uh, but something pretty amazing happened to Patrick while he was in Ireland as a slave. He as often happens when tragedy hits, there's a great turning to Jesus. And Patrick turned to Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he believed that in his heart that Jesus rose from the dead. And he confessed with his mouth that Jesus was Lord. And, and through a series of, of events, um, he escaped. He escaped and made his way all the way home, knocked on the door. 
21 years old, five years later. Can you imagine that moment for mom and dad? Can you imagine what joy? What a miracle. Not only a miracle there, but a few years later, Patrick had a dream. And it was a sign and a wonder to Patrick. The dream was he had a dream of um, Irish uh, masses, big crowds of people calling to him saying, come, come back and live among us, oh, holy boy. Oh, holy boy, come back and live among us. And he woke up and he's, because his heart was open to God, the sign and the wonder clarified something for him. God's passion, God's concern for the lost in Ireland. So he went back there to, the, to that land that had enslaved him, that represented everything sad and wrong and, and unjust to him. He went right back there. And St. Patrick's Day coming up next week, next Thursday, is it? Yeah. So um, it's a reminder to us that, um, that signs and wonders in our lives are things that we should look for. You know, in... in um, Ancient Israel, when they forgot the wonders, the signs and the wonders, when they forgot the signs and the wonders of the great liberation from Egypt, their hearts strayed. They stopped following God with all their hearts when they stopped testifying to the signs and wonders. We don't have these testimonies of miracles because we're Neo-Pentecostal, charismatic, third wave, whatever you want to say. We, we do them, we share them constantly because they are, they are fundamental to a continual acceleration of our hearts towards Jesus and the revelation of the beauty, infinite beauty of our Jesus. I mean, Sherry's heart was open to opened by God. She wasn't expecting that testimony that you gave through video share, Sherry the other day. Tarot cards, witchcraft stuff, magic stuff. Found herself in the corner up, up above, looking down, seeing it's, this is evil. Asked mom for a Bible. Got a Bible, only one verse in it. All the pages were blank except one verse condemning what she was doing. Someone gives her a great lake, great planet Earth, and she read it, and that sinner's prayer at the end prayed it, got good saved. Aren't you guys glad she did? Looked at the Bible later, filled with verses. It was a normal Bible. God had closed her eyes to everything but the one verse. That's a sign and a wonder to her and to us. Jesus, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. You are glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just a few years ago, Brenda turned 50. (laughs) And it happened to fall on an evening where we had soup, bread, and prayer. And we had about 50 people in the church at that time. 
in our congregation. And I don't know. I just, I thought it would be so cool. I said, I told, I told uh, the church, I told God, God, I think it would be cool if 50 people showed up for prayers, usually about 25 that came out. And you know how many came? 48. <laughs> but halfway through the prayer meeting, two more showed up. I've always thought that is a wonderful sign and a wonder, of, a sign. It, 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 I, I see something uh, in my heart with that, don't you? Of the personality of Jesus. He's so good. A current one. I always look for double, double uh, things, double dreams, double, double confirmations of things. And... and uh, in a recent service, there were two young men present by the name of Jace. J-A-C-E. Uh, I'm not sure maybe the spelling is. Is your Jace J-A-C-E? Yeah, they're both J-A-C-E. Oh, that's cool. That's, that in the s- itself is kind of cool, but not enough to make a big deal out of it until you look at the last name. Both the young men's names that are not related are Jace Green. Isn't that interesting? So I look up the word Jace, and it means healer. And I think of green as a symbol of springtime, fresh, new. Friends, double anointing on healing coming our way this spring. Well, you say, Dan, you just, you just, that seems like such a childish thing to do. No, it's not childish, it's childlike. And I, I actually think we get this kind of stuff, these kinds of language of the spirit confirmations, because we're childlike in our in our culture. So when our we when our hearts see Jesus, we're stirred to give him all the credit. We're stirred to use signs and wonders as eyeglasses to see with our hearts with ever increase, increasing clarity. We see through a glass darkly, but we see and we're seeing better all the time. And and thirdly, we're stirred to fully give Jesus our hearts. Fully give Jesus our hearts. Peter didn't just add Jesus to his heart. They forsook all and they followed Jesus. And I think that that Forsaking all wasn't just that they changed occupations. I think that there were heart traps. I think Peter's weeping before Christ and saying, please, please go away. I, I'm a sinner. It's because his heart, in his heart sight, he was seeing the heart traps of his own personal journey. And he, he didn't know what to do with it. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Follow me. In other words, I'm forgiving you, man. You've got a great future. Part of our discipleship experience, our, it's not so much a thing where we ask Jesus into our hearts, is that we give our hearts to Jesus. And in saying that, I'd, I'm not minimizing other things that happen when we come to Christ. I'm not minimizing that we are righteousified by faith. 
I'm not minimizing that we have a born-again experience. Our spirit was dead, now it's fully alive in God. And I'm not minimizing the sovereignty of God in stirring you, in stirring me to turn to Christ. He doesn't violate our free will, but he stirs our free will and to him. He's involved in it. No one ever got down on their knees and prayed, God, I thank you, I am so smart and so wise that I turn to you. And even if you did pray that, you'd be giving God credit for your smartness and wisdom. I don't know of anybody that takes credit for their salvation when they're on their knees. We have a free will, but so does God. He doesn't violate our free will, okay? Don't, 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 that's not a takeaway for anybody. You don't get to do that. But he does stir it. Does stir it. But I want to say, I, I've always loved Bob Mumford's statement, his little, his little two-minute cameo I'm going to show you in just a moment, of um, him speaking to the charismatic convention, the first charismatic convention, when Azusa Street hit in 1904, 1905, in Los Angeles, and the Spirit of God came in ways that had, had not come in such huge waves in, in world history back to the New Testament. And then it spawned, it spawned and started, sparked, uh, sponsored uh, Pentecostal denominations. But the mainline denominations weren't hit until the late 70s and early 80s. And that's when what, what's been called the charismatic movement continues to this day. The gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit flooding through all the denominations. And this was the first gathering of this scale, 50,000 people, Kansas City, Missouri in 1977. He said this, Bob Mumford said this, he doesn't just want your soul, he wants you, dear. I've, I've looked back at that and watched that off and on for years. I'm going to show it to you now. Just as we conclude, I wanted, wanted to say that this whole business of our hearts turning to Jesus is not just a collective thing, it's a together thing. Peter, Peter went for Jesus, but it says they left everything. His brother, his cousin, his other cousin. Andrew, James, John. The whole business we're going together. And you know, this whole beautiful experience of seeing our hearts fully devoted to Jesus in repentance is something, there's a huge together factor in this, isn't it? Let's be inspired. I'm a, I'm a, a connoisseur of church history stuff. This is a clip from the Charismatic Convention, Kansas City, Bob Mumford, 1977. It's just two minutes emphasizing togetherness. Let's watch it. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen, Jesus. We welcome you to our little cell group. Now hear me, dear Catholics, dear Protestants, uh, independents, non-denominationals, Baptists, everyone. Hear me when I say to you these words. 
the hardest thing to penetrate for God to write holiness into our lives is the religious security and the doctrinal barriers. It's when we have a concept of salvation that says, me and mine. <laughs> Jesus saved my soul. And I often wonder what people meant by that. You know, I got the feeling like there's a soul down here somewhere and the Lord reached in and saved the soul. I don't know what the soul looked like, but he saved it. You know, there it is. Now listen moment. The Lord doesn't want to save your soul. He wants to save your whole life. Yeah. He's not some mystical thing that he's after. He's after you, dear. Yeah. I want to say to you that holiness, the whole life is holiness, is wrapped up in God making the change from your individualistic concept of what he's doing till the borders of your mind and heart are expanded for you to embrace the change from me to us. All right? Do you know Stand up. Cheryl and team are at the altar coming up here to minister more miracles. Let's pray. God, we, we say together, hallelujah. We say we see with our eyes of our heart and we're seeing better every day. We give you all the praise and the glory. It's a miracle from you. And therefore, we have confidence when we pray for more, you'll give us more. And we declare that more signs and wonders proliferate in our personal journeys and our collective journeys, Jesus, so we can see even more clearly your wonderful personality, care, and love, the wonders of your grace, the beauties of your redemption. And that, God, there is this together factor, this dynamic. We don't understand it all, but we see it with our hearts that we'll see increase because of our togetherness. And when we see, see the fire of God on, on someone else, we say, I'm with you, dear friend. I'm with you, dear brother. I'm with you, dear sister. Let's go after God together, church, not just by ourselves. God bless you as you go. If you would like to come get prayer, we're going to see even more miracles. Thanks for being with us today.